Good morning, Family Church. It's Lily Silva coming to you from California. Um, I was asked to share a quick thing about what it means to me about being a daughter and a soon-to-be mom. Um, So as a daughter, I definitely got one of the best experiences. And I say that pretty biased, but... um, I got to have a mom stay home with me and do things with me that I know others didn't get to experience, but um, I just got that constant love and affection poured into me. And as I was thinking about what to say um, for this video, just the word nurture kept falling on my heart. And as a daughter, you have to let yourself be nurtured first before you can continue on to nurture another life or another person. And I got to grow up with love being poured into me every second of the day. And I got to watch my mom pour that same love into other young girls as she was a youth pastor's wife. And just to witness that, that's what made me want to be a mom. And I probably wasn't the easiest to nurture. I mean, I was your typical emotional teenage girl. Only I decided to get married at 18 and make my parents' grandparents at at 20, you know. But my mom has been there through it all. And I call her on a daily basis. You can ask her. You can see her phone blown up with text messages and uh, video chats for me and until she answers. And I call her on the way home when I'm driving anywhere. And just to hear my, my mom's voice talking to me, it's, it's comforting because that's what I've grown hearing as a daughter. I've grown to follow that and learn that it's a safe place for me. And I get to do that for my baby boy soon. Um, And I couldn't be more excited. So for all you moms out there that don't really know um, if the love you're putting out or even how to put that love out. If it's getting out there, just God God is using you. God will work any interaction, any hug or kiss or text message, face chat. God will work that into your child's life. And you're going to see results of that seed being planted and nurtured. So happy Mother's Day and enjoy the rest of your service. Love you all. Oh, get me hot. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you something. Oh, I miss her. She's wonderful. Happy Mother's Day. Hopefully that blessed you. And uh, 
That is my oldest. Uh, she's 20 years old on the West Coast. Uh, my son-in-law is a Marine serving at Camp Pendleton, and uh, so we're proud of him. Uh, our first grandchild is coming on uh, around July 28th, and uh, so uh, we're excited about that. And uh, so she should be in with her husband and baby in around September, and so hopefully you guys will get to, to uh, celebrate uh, seeing, seeing uh, the baby get dedicated and stuff out in September. So we'll, we'll be looking for that. But there is something beautiful. There is something beautiful in how God designed women to nurture. We're in week two of our series called Something Beautiful, and we are celebrating the unique ways that women reflect the heart of God. And by looking at three primary relationships that women have. And so last week we celebrated uh, the sister and uh, what that looks like to have a, a sister or a friend in your life that's a woman, and, and how they go through the details of life with you, and, and we celebrated that. And uh, uh, next week, we're going to celebrate what it means uh, to be a wife, and, and, and God's unique uh, design for that. And men, we're not leaving you out. Next month, there's a companion series to something beautiful called Something Strong. Flex your muscles for me. Come on. Give me the gun show. Come on. Something beautiful, something strong coming, coming soon to a church near you. And, uh, and here's the thing. So men don't tune out this month and women don't turn out, tune out next month. This is something for all of us to grab a hold of because God has designed this and for us to complement each other. And so, uh, so I'm not a mother, but I live with one and I have one. And, and uh, she said my brother's preaching today, so she went to Urbana. And, uh, and so uh, my baby brother's preaching over there. And so uh, mom and dad uh, got to go over there and, and, uh, and be with them. And so that's pretty cool. And, um, but we have... Uh, this life that, that has the other sex in it, and, and God wants us to celebrate those differences. We all want to succeed in life. What does that look like? What does a successful woman look like? Men, if you're smart, you say, right next to me, right? But women are judged in our society by, by not just what they do, but also how they look. And if you watch TV, you'll quickly understand that ladies, you can and should do it all. But you just better look good while you're doing it. And the world defines success by being busy, and it defines beauty by our outward appearance. So what does a successful mom look like? Well, you got to have the great career, you got to have the great family. You got to have the great friendships. You got to have dinner on the table. You got to have your house clean. Whoever man laughed just now, you're dead. Like, <laughs> I'm praying for your soul. Like, and you better look good like you just walked out of a salon, right? The world's standards for success is frustrating because it's a moving target. Because the message changes depending on whose bank account is connected to the message. Everyone is selling their own standard of what it means to be a successful woman and a successful mother. And this plays directly to our soul because it plays directly to our desire to make a difference and to be enough for our families. 
by looking to be a success in our life, it really comes down to, I want to have what it takes to be a dad. I want to have what it takes to be a pastor. I want to have what it takes to be a husband. And I see my wife and I see the ladies in my life chase, chase the same thing. They simply want to be enough. Ladies, the external noise would be enough of a challenge. Just filtering the messages coming in is a daily battle. But sadly, the noise outside of you is nothing compared to the enemy that's screaming on the inside of you. That voice screaming is the voice of comparison. We will never feel complete as long as we are chasing the world's approval or we are comparing ourselves to others. Let me say that again. We will never feel complete as long as we are chasing the world's moving target of what success looks like or we're looking at all of the different people around us and we're looking at their wins and all of those targets of what to achieve. Right? I'm so thankful that God has given us a better way. Tell your neighbor, God's got a better way. He created us, and He knows what we were created for. We get to talk to the author. We get to talk to the designer. We get to talk to the artist. He also designed men and women to reflect His character in different ways, and He has given us His Bible, the Word, of God so that we can know his plan for us. Our key verse for this series is in Genesis 1, 27. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What I think is fascinating about this is, first of all, the image of God being placed on humanity is in itself just a mind-blowing concept. And it's what makes us unique above all creation. We're not just the most evolved bit of goo, okay? I bear the signature of a heavenly designer. Somebody took the time to design who I am and what I was made for. And oh, by the way, we are the capstone of creation. And so when we look at the beautiful mountains, when we look at the sunset, God saved us for last. He sees us as something beautiful. We've got to get that. And what this says, it says He created His image in men and women. Now if you're paying attention, we be different. Men are from Mars. Women are from somewhere. Somewhere great. We're different. So if God's image is on both of us and both of us are different, then what I take that to mean is that we were intentionally designed to reflect different things about Him. And so I believe that women reflect God's character in... in reflect things about Him that men don't by design. Think about your first-hand experiences with the differences between your mom and your dad. Or your moms and dads. 
I mean, there's a reason why sitcoms are based on this. We're, we're stereotypical for a reason. Like, it's crazy, the difference between my mom and my dad, right? You may not have a relationship with one or both of your biological parents, but somebody filled those roles. Thank you, Jesus, somebody filled those roles. And even maybe mom or dad or both are in heaven today, somebody is filling that role. Think about your mom or a woman that mothered you. Maybe an aunt, a grandmother, or a friend's mom. I've got a great mom. Now, she picked my brother over me today, so. She said, but your brother's preaching. I said, Mom, I'm preaching. Like, he's, he works with the youth there, so he gets maybe like five or six Sundays a year, and so, you know, it's special, I guess. But I have this great mom, and yet God used other women to mother me through my life. Is that part of your story too? Like you can, you can think of the people that God used to help nurture you? Because friends, it took like a team for me. Like I needed help. What are some of the words you would use, nice words you would use to describe those ladies that filled that role? Give me some words. What? Caring. Keep coming. Understanding, loving, attentive, good word. Strength, oh yeah. What was that? Yes. I think Lily nailed it with the nurture word. I love that word, and I believe that's where ladies uniquely reflect the heart of God. And when I say these these. Uh, these titles of like something beautiful, something strong, I know ladies are strong. We'll get to what that means about a man in next month. And men, you're beautiful too. But what we're looking at is the things that I believe women were designed uniquely to reflect the heart of God. There is something beautiful about mothers in a unique way that all women reflect God's love by nurturing those around them. Here's a definition of nurture. I've got three parts. You guys ready? Number one, training upbringing. Makes sense, right? We're, we're supposed to train up our children to be functioning adults. God help us all. Number two, something that nourishes Nourishes is actually like giving you the things you need to live and to grow. Number three, this is like the nature versus nurture. The sum of the environmental factors, big words here, influencing our behavior and our traits. So nurture is like this collection of things that is producing the person. And after working with probably, I don't know how many hundreds of young people, I can tell you that that environment, that sum total, affects the person coming out, right? And so even when I see an adult causing trouble, it's their responsibility for their actions, but we can usually see, a re we're, we're actually seeing a result of, of nurture. 
and what we would say lack of, but that's how they were nurtured, right? Is that making sense? As a kid, and your kids are all clueless about all of the ways mom is nurturing you. We just say, where's my food? I'm hungry. I want that. And thank you? I'm not sure that word entered my vocabulary, you know, until I was 20. Sorry, Mom. Now I have a front row seat, and I see Danielle do all three. Big points for me right there. Training. Oh my gosh, this is constant. This alone is your, like, this is the grind, right? This is teaching your kids just how to function. From going to the bathroom on their own to getting up for school on their own at age 16. Help us. <laughs> but just the training, right? This is, this is nurturing. This is what happens all the time. Number two, something that nourishes, actually giving them the things that they need to grow, like food and the, the things that they need. But what sticks out to me most about this is that environment word. And I see what Danielle does now, and I, now I recognize what my mom was doing as a kid. Danielle tries to control every aspect of our kids' environment for their good. Right? You guys, I mean, dads, you've Right. Now, this can make us dads crazy because we see the environment as, woohoo, like this is something to play in. And moms see everything as a threat to their babies. <laughs> Easy on the amens, buddy. I got one word for you. Sunblock. <laughs> keep them coming, keep them coming. Two words, hand sanitizer. Like, these are things that I'm pretty sure previous generations lived without, and yet you cannot enjoy a day at the beach without six ounces of sunblock on your person. I just spent my points. Strangers? Oh, Lord. We, we devote a lot of energy to strangers. I mean, my kid had to be 13 before he was allowed to ride his bike past the neighbor's driveway. Like, I mean, can they please play at the neighborhood playground? You know, he's growing facial hair now. Like, <laughs> it's not that bad. But dads are like, let him go. Like, let, let, just let him go. Like, I, I just, I, I don't even, I checked in with my mom, like, in the morning, and I had to be in when it was dark. Like, this was before cell phones. Like, I just had to make sure that I proved I had a pulse at the end of the night. Like, they're going to be fine. The weather, germs. But then think about it. The clothes, the food, the doctors, the stuff with the school. This is the sum of the environment, and this matters like every detail right? 
I was out here mowing this week and, and, uh, and over here in the side of our parking lot. And uh, you guys have ever run into a kill deer? They just make a wonderful noise, like they just screech at you. And uh, I'm, I'm like, I see the nest, I see the eggs, I'm like, mama bird, I'm, I'm not going to mow over your nest. And this, this mama killdeer is mad at me. Like every time I come mowing within 20 feet, this thing will come running at me, then it does its all broken wing thing, right, and trying to get you. And then the closer I get to that nest, she actually sits on it, flares out all her feathers, and I'm me, like a lot of me, I'm on a garden tractor, and Mama Kildeer is saying, bring it, bud. You're not getting to these eggs. Don't mess with Mama. Women are life-giving, life-growing, and life-protecting. And this is all hard enough. This is what you're called to. That's enough. That's hard enough. And then we look at someone else's life and we begin to resent our own. We're going to look at the comparison uh, that's going on between the lives of two sisters, Leah and Rachel. And this takes place across two chapters in Genesis. So I'm going to kind of give you the play-by-play if that's okay. Genesis 29 and 30. And so the backstory is here. Uh, the problem's all caused by men, by the way. And I'll just, just say that right out. So Jacob comes into town and he's looking for a wife. He meets Rachel, googly eyes right from the beginning, big heart emoji, we're happy, this is what we want. He goes to dad, he says, dad, uh, the father-in-law, he says, I want to marry Rachel. And dad says, you got to work for me for seven years and basically man up and then I'll give you my daughter. Well, father-in-law pulls the switcheroo, and this is weird, messed up stuff that we don't have time to get into today, but Jacob ends up married to the older sister instead at the end of the wedding day. And the father-in-law says something like, I kind of needed her to get married off first, and so you're getting a twofer. Well, this sets up a situation where Leah wasn't chosen by Jacob, given away as a door prize by her father, and Rachel is now wife number two, even though Jacob loved her. And I know there's some weird stuff there that we can unpack another time. But Rachel seems at first to have it all. She's beautiful, and she has Jacob's heart. But she struggled greatly with frustration because she was not able to have children. And I've seen ladies that walk this walk firsthand, and this is, this is as tough as it gets. Have you ever been rejected? So many times when we are rejected, we strive for approval with different ways. Well, the Bible says that Leah was not loved by Jacob. So she strove to win his love by bearing his sons. All of us have faced some sort of rejection and frustration, and we try to earn acceptance through achievements, always hoping that our next win will impress somebody enough to love us. Rachel and Leah defined their success and value by how they compared to each other. 
The baby battle begins when God saw that Leah was not loved. It says he enabled her to conceive. So how does Rachel feel when Leah has four sons in a row? How come our failures always seem bigger when we watch somebody else succeed? So it says that Rachel goes to extremes to get a son. She gives her servant to Jacob, and this results with two pregnancies and two sons. When you're empty and insecure, you only know how to base your value as it compares to others. And the problem with insecurity is that the chase never ends. Well, then Leah finds herself unable to have more children because apparently four isn't enough for her. It says she gives her servant to Jacob, and the result is two more sons. If you're counting, we're up to eight boys. Somebody say, you better shop at Aldi's. (laughs) And then like a victory lap after the race, Leah is all of a sudden able to have children again, and she has two more. Do you know that the cure for frustration is never achievement? We reach our goal only to immediately chase another goal. Listen to Genesis 30, 22 through 24. Some powerful words here. It says, Then God remembered Rachel and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God has removed my disgrace, she said, and she named him Joseph, for she said, may, God, may the Lord add yet another son to my family. We're up to 11 here. And one of the most beautiful phrases in the Bible, God remembered Rachel. Whatever you've been through or you are experiencing now, God sees you. He does. And I don't know why the answers are different for different people. I don't know why the timing is different for different people. I don't. But every story that I read in this Bible of imperfect people serving a perfect God It shows that he sees them. But what Rachel says next says everything about how she felt on the inside. God has removed my disgrace. She'd been living in shame because of the inability to birth children. What? Since when does any ability define our value? And yet that was her reality, right? She had allowed her whole identity to be wrapped up in the ability to have a child. And that's bad enough, but then she immediately says, give me more. She gets this breakthrough She gets the one. And because of where her identity was defined, it still 
wasn't enough. She would have another one and would take it to 12 sons. We know those 12 sons now to be the 12 leaders of the tribes of Israel. God redeems every mess. But we're all struggling with something and we need to be careful thinking that somebody else's life is better because we have no idea of the garbage they are going through. Right? And so we, we take our eyes off of ourselves in a moment of our pain and we look at somebody else's victory and we're like, I'm just a terrible person. I, I'm a terrible mom. I'm a terrible... I, I, I'm not getting this. That voice screaming inside of you is the voice of comparison and we need to tell it to shut up. We will never feel complete as long as we chase the world's approval and compare ourselves to others. Listen to this verse. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body. But envy rots the bones. Let me read that again. Proverbs are so cool. A heart at peace gives life to the body. Think of the, think of the times in your life where, and hopefully you've had a few of these, where things felt right, where things felt good. And you know what that felt like on the inside. That is life-giving more than anything else. That peace. But envy rots the bones. Envy is a feeling of being discontented inside. It comes from a longing of something that you think is missing in you and you see somewhere else. That's what drives envy. It's like, I am missing this and I see that somebody else has it. You're not necessarily jealous of the person. You want what they have. This longing turns into resentment. And so we try to find our identity in a way that will never work. And that's comparison. Your life is not her life. Your story is not her story. Everybody can fall into this trap. Our church is our church. I, I can look to ideas and, and successes that other churches have and, and say, oh man, maybe we could do that. But the day I start to think, oh, what's wrong with our church? We don't have... No, 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 no. God's given... This is our story. This is our church. You have your family. You have your kids. You have your home. The problem with envy is that it disturbs the peace of our own story. And so it doesn't give life to the body. It actually works against it. It rots the bones. And here's the tragedy of this. So women, the image bearers of God that He has uniquely created to nurture, to bring life and protect life, are dying, gasping for air under the pressure of comparison. Verse 
The very vessels that he's chose to bring life into the world and to nurture life and to protect life are running out of air. And that leaves you in a place where you say, and you're actually saying, this me, this gift from God, it's not enough. And it's not the one I want. As a parent, there's nothing sadder for me when I've gone to the trouble to do something for one of my kids and it's like they don't appreciate the gift. Like, and believe me, they're not going to appreciate a lot, but we give them everything. And sometime in their teenage years, they look at you and say, really? They got better down the street. My kids are actually pretty good to me, but we do the same thing when we look at this gift of life that God has given us and we say, this is all you gave me? This is it? It's not enough. I want someone else's life. And if we're all being honest today, we all have those moments. But some of you in this room are locked up there. Some of you are locked up in chains of comparison. Here's the big picture. Can you really pour life into others when your heart is dry and cracked like a riverbed exposed to the sun? There's nothing to give. How do we get the river of life? How do we get that life-giving water to flow through us again? What can we learn from these sisters and their battle with comparison? How do we silence the voice of comparison? I believe we have a few steps that we can take as children of God. Uh, first thing, you guys were given, you ladies were given a gift today. Hold it up if you got it. Where's that gift? This is just a little trinket that we wanted to give to just to honor you and open it up, open it up. I'll give you a minute. I'm going to be a little cheesy, a lot cheesy. It's Mother's Day. Let the cheese run. Those are compacts. Open it up. The first thing that we have to do to silence the voice of comparison is we have to see something beautiful when we see ourselves. We have to choose to see God's signature on our life. The gift I got, Danielle, for Mother's Day, I saw this little bird in an online auction. She likes birds. But it's this glass bird made in Fenton. 
And if you turn over, it's handmade, and if you turn over the bottom of that bird, there's the signature of the artist that made that little glass bird. When Genesis teaches us that we were created in the image of God, it means that He put His signature on us like any artist that would be proud of the masterpiece that they just created. We have to move our eyes off of others and look to God and His Word to define our value. And the beautiful thing about that is that's a target that doesn't move. And so all of the voices that come at us from the media, from our own minds, from everywhere else, the Word of God is how we correct those false things to chase. Defining your identity based on others will leave you chasing acceptance and success for others. God sees you and sees something beautiful. What do you do with something beautiful? We asked this last week as well. What do you do with something beautiful? You cherish it. You embrace God's design. And what do I mean by that? For ladies, for this week, it's, it's for this message, it's nurture, nurture, nurture. The world's going to push one thing on you. The way to correct that and the way to move forward into what God has called you to do, it called you to do is to go back to His plan for your life. And nurturing is something that God has given you the market on. And so the way to get rid of the viruses, the way to get rid of all the spam is to go back to the blueprint. Ladies, three things. Nurture up, nurture over, nurture down. What do I mean by that? If you don't have a positive role model, a positive mom-type voice in your life, get one now. And even if it has to come from a team of people, we all, have lim we all are limited in our capabilities. And so somebody might have, uh, you, you, sometimes you get different things from different people is what I mean. Okay? And so just like we supplement some things, you know, vitamins or whatever else, get what you need from a woman that can pour and nurture into you. Because if you try to run without that, you're, you're trying to just have water pour out of you, life-giving water, without anything coming into you, okay? Nurture over. What do I mean by that? We kind of touched on this with sisters last week. Ladies, you need each other. And what's the difference between uh, a sister, what's the difference between Rachel and Leah and friends? When ladies are friends, the comparison is gone, and if there's comparison in there, you can't really be good friends. I've watched this from the outside looking in. This happens even with guys. But the, the really good friendships, there's no comparison inside of them. Would you agree with that? And so you've got to find ladies that you can share those kind of nurturing things with where you are walking life out with somebody else. Nurture up, nurture over, nurture down. There's people that need you 
and need you to pour your life into them. We're in the transition phase of our youngest being 13 and he doesn't need his mom like at all, like, you know, or she thinks he doesn't. But he does. But our kids are going up, 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 up. Grandbaby's on the West Coast, so we're going to just have to like squeeze some babies around here. So don't mind if we're picking up your kids, okay? But seriously, empty nesters, um, ladies that haven't had kids of their own, you've got something inside of you that God has placed in you regardless if there's a child of your own that needs you in this moment. Let God pour through you into the lives of others. They're desperate for it. In our time in youth ministry, I've said this before, out of all the messages, over and above all the messages I preached, Danielle mothering them and us taking care of our marriage did more positive for the kids we ministered to than anything I ever preached. It's the absolute truth. They are desperate to see what God has designed to succeed. And they're desperate to receive that nurture from a mother. The world needs it. Nurture up, nurture over, nurture down. Number three, and this is the big challenge for you moms, it's a challenge for everybody. But you ladies are designed to worry about all those details of the environment for the people you care for. And I believe you should. But there's a trap there too. And the way out of that is you have to trust God for the results. You love the people that God gives you to love, but you've got to trust Him to carry it. He loves you. He will lead you and nurture you if you let Him. And the good news, the really, really good news, and you are all proof of that today, is that God loves to make something beautiful. Can we pray this morning? There's a message of life that God wants every one of us to hear today. He has a purpose for us. He has a design for us. To think of somebody taking the time to create and set into motion means there's a value here that few of us really understand or even have begun to understand. the greatest struggle I see as a pastor inside of people is I don't think I'm enough. 
I don't have what it takes. Father God looks at every one of us. And there isn't a painting that he's done that he's not proud to sign. There's not. This issue of comparison is crippling. It takes life away from the very people designed to give, grow, and protect life. God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. If you want prayer for this this morning, would you just raise your hand up where you're at? I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I see that hand. I see that hand. He loves you. Nurturing comes from Him. It is part of who He is. And so that same way that you care about every other detail, that same way that you want the very best for your kids, God is up there in heaven saying, let me nurture you. Father God, I lift up my sisters to you today that would reach out and ask you for freedom from comparison. The Father God, He loves you. He's designed you. He's given you purpose. He's given you His heart. And you're enough. If you have a need in this room today, and I, I don't, it can be, this is kind of an all-inclusive thing, but I felt strongly like I was supposed to ask this today. Somebody and maybe someone, some few of you are carrying something today that you don't want to carry out of here. I don't know what it is. But if you need a touch from God today for your body physically, for your mind mentally, I want you to raise your hand this morning. I want you to reach towards heaven to the one that can affect you and make a difference. I see those hands. Come on. He loves you. Father God, we thank you for your healing touch. God, I thank you that you care as much about our mind as you do our bodies. And Father God, I thank you that you paid a price on the cross for our healing, God. We are bought and paid for. And God, I thank you that you love us. You care for the things that affect our lives. God, I thank you that as, as the nurturer supreme, God, you care about the details, everything in the environment of our lives. And so, Father God, I speak your truth, your healing, and your peace to the situations that these people are asking prayer for today. God, I ask you for a special touch today. Let them know that they have had an encounter with the living God this morning. And lastly, but definitely not least, we always make a call for salvation. That kill deer that I saw running around... She was protecting 
those eggs that were going to be babies. Some of you are away from the nest. Some of you haven't trusted God with your life. Is today the day you choose? Is today the day you cross the line of faith to call Him Lord and Savior? If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand this morning? He loves you. Father God, we thank You for this word of hope this morning. God, I thank You that You are a nurturing God. God, I thank You that You took the time to create us. God, I thank You that You've gone to all the trouble to provide for every need we have. God, I thank You that You've looked ahead of us, God. You've looked around us, God. You've looked behind us, God. You have provided everything. And our greatest needs are answered in the cross. God, I thank You that You made a home for us. God, I thank You that You wash us clean. God, I thank you that you build us up. God, I thank you that you break every chain. And God, I thank you that you give us life. We love that about you today, God. We thank you for the mothers you've placed in our life. And we honor you, Jesus. Let's stand and worship this morning.